Both things can be true. I can want to decent a romance, but still leave space for a romantic relationship. What I'm challenging is the idea of obsessing over it and saying that it is the most important relationship for you to find in this lifetime. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Collective Podcast. We are so excited to be back. Christina, I have a very important question to ask you to start things off. Okay, I need to hear this. Okay, would it be a deal breaker if the person you started dating had shared custody of his dog with his ex? <laughs> hmm. How long were they together? I need I need more details. I would I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker. No. That my They lived together. They got a dog together. They were together for probably 2 years and they share custody of the dog. But they don't want to be in a relationship anymore. He has no interest in being with her. Yeah. That's not a deal breaker for me. Really? I said that's a deal breaker for me. Really? But I mean, for anything, I think it's very Honey, the dog is about to go. That you got, you can get a new job. You know, what, you know what, Ray. Lately, lately on our podcast, you have been a little rude to animals. Okay, you're talking about Rosie's cat now. This poor dog. Okay, well, cats. If it was a cat, I honestly would never date someone with a cat. But <laughs> never said. Well, again, I don't know. Probably not. But I. This is coming from my perspective of I used to share custody of Angus with my ex. Hmm. And I know what entailed on those swaps, those dropping the dog off. So I, and also it's just like, it's just like, okay, we're, we're, you're in your, your twenties. Like, I'm just like, this is too much. This is just like messy. I'm just like, uh, for me, it would be a deal breaker. Okay. Well, first of all, I guess I wasn't thinking about, oh, you're going, he's going to pick up the dogs and like having sex with his (laughs) ex-girlfriend at the same time. So maybe I'm coming from like a naive place. But honestly, where my mind went to <laughs> was um, Katie and Tom from Vanderpump Rules. They have shared custody of their dogs. And I don't see them getting back together at all. And I feel like for me, I guess I love the idea of a man who really cares about his his animals, his people. And like, he's not willing to give that up yet. And I mean, yeah. So for me, it's not a deal breaker. Okay. Okay. There. But also, it's like, oh, I'm going to pick up the dog, and then I just ended up staying for dinner. That's a different story. You right. Know? There maybe has to be some boundaries there has around to be boundaries. The, yeah. the shared custody. Yes. And also, yeah. like, the ex needs to know that the dog's now going to be in your life, too. You know what I mean? Mm. Dog is going to be a... <laughs> I have so many parents. Wait, so did this happen, or is this just a random question? Oh, no, this was happening to a friend of mine, okay. and we were discussing it. And what is your friend doing? I mean, I think she's a little bit more on, like, she's just giving it time. It's yeah. a new situation. It's, like, see where things go, but as things get more serious, like, she's kind of on team, like, Deal the dog. <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah, funny. So, okay, well, yeah. I have a random question for you. This is, like, something I've realized I'm doing lately a lot and I really happened in Nicholas's classroom but when you see someone's name do you automatically google them no no like I'm trying to think of a scenario like what do you mean like okay like I'll give you okay I guess for instance like if you were going on a brand trip and the brand sent you a list of names do you google every single person that's on the list or do you like not care well no I hundred if I'm going on, a, like, I just went on a brand trip and I added everyone on Instagram before we left. Okay. Just because it's, like, connection. It's, like, you're, like, those are, like, your coworkers for the week. Like, and, like, I just feel like that's kind of, like, a, like, a, yeah. Like, I think, I I, I guess, yeah, if you're going to be, if you're, yes. 
Okay, if you're dating someone and you have their full name, do Google them. Mm, I actually haven't done that, but if it's been a few dates, like I will try and look up their Instagram, but I don't do it off the bat. Okay. The reason I started, uh, the reason I bring this up is because, so obviously Nicholas started preschool and there's like an app where they send photos of the kids throughout the day and people like like the photos. And when people like the photos, the parent's name pops up. And I don't know why, like when these parents' names popped up, I started Googling them. And like for me, I think it's more about like, okay, like I want to know this like whole experience is very unique for us. I want to know who my kid is going to school with. Like I want, I actually want to make friends with these parents. Like our kids are going to school together. Like I feel like this is a community I'm trying to make. But then at the same time, I'm like, why are you such a nosy bitch? Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, just freaking say hi to them in the classroom. Like, it doesn't matter what Google says about them. And anyways, I caught myself into the situation where I Googled someone, and it turns out one of Nicholas's classmates' mom is a porn star. Okay. And I was just like, what? And it was yeah. just, like, shocking. It's whatever. It's I go what she does. Like, no big deal. Doesn't change her or her kid or anything. But it was just like, now... I feel like I know too much about this person that I wish I didn't know. Do you well, know what I mean? Maybe she's Googling you and is going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. We have to edit this out. We have to edit this out. I never thought of that. How did you? If, if, Wait, I'm dead. I never would have thought of that ever. If, if you're Googling people, I 100% people are Googling you and being like, oh my God, one of my son's children's parents is an influencer. <laughs> Like, she's an... In- <laughs> I am dead. Why did I not think about this the other way around? We're all nosy. I feel like probably more people do it. I would probably think you're not the only one who's doing that. I mean, I am, imagine everyone else was doing it. I just didn't imagine them doing it and potentially ever listening to the podcast where I'm talking about them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The other thing I had to tell you about was I talked about this a few episodes back. So when I got back from my trip to Croatia, I was talking to Hannah on the phone and she was like, oh, do you feel like well-rested, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Like, I do not rest when I I set on vacation. Like, when I'm on vacation, I'm not resting. That is the time to explore. That is the time to adventure. That is the time to be like your most unhinged self because vacation isn't real. Everyone's a simulation. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. of course, since I said this, my TikTok algorithm now is bringing me these videos of the idea of a trip versus a vacation. And I've never thought about this way. It was so interesting. So I've seen a couple videos about this, which is really crazy. I'm like, whoa, the algorithm is really algorithming. But this one girl, Ellie Rallo, she was like, okay, the difference between a trip and a vacation, a trip is for traveling. Like you are sightseeing, you are adventuring, you are partying, you are doing all this. Vacation is for resting where you go to a resort and you relax and you rest. And I just feel like I'm just not, I guess I would just, I would just mother rather, wow, I would much rather travel than vacation. And I feel like you're the same, but I wanted to see what do you think you're more at right now? Well, I definitely agree with the difference between them, but it's interesting because I kind of was like looking at it from like traveling with kids mm-hmm. or not. Like a vacation is when you and your husband are alone and a trip <laughs> is when you have the whole family. Yeah. So that's kind of like where my mind went. I, I like both. I But I would say even on my vacation, I'm not laying on the beach tanning. Like, I'm going scuba diving. You're a traveler. Like, I am, like, doing something. I'm a traveler. Yeah. Like, I feel like you can have a little rest time and then you get, like, antsy. No, what's rest? My friend, (laughs) when I used to vacate, when I studied abroad, we would always travel. I would literally be the person that would be up every single morning earlier than anyone and just, like, walking around the city by myself. Wow. Because I'm like, what are we doing here? Everyone would, like, go in and take a nap. I'd be like, okay, like, I'm going to go do something else. Like, I just don't like to rest on vacation, I guess. But, yeah, my sister and I always used to argue about this growing up, too, because we'd go on family vacations, and she would just want to read by the pool and relax. And I'd be like, I don't understand. 
There is a kayak tour from 1 p.m. to 3, and we are going to go snorkeling to see the octopus afterwards, and you need to come with me. And yeah, I guess there's just two different types of people, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that we're both trip people. We're trip people. What do you say? I like the adventure, for sure. Well, speaking of TikTok, that's so funny because TikTok really gets you once you have voiced something, like they know what you're thinking, right? Once you like one video, once you spend too much time on one video, that's all you start seeing in your algorithm, right? So I am clearly obsessed with the age filter on TikTok because that is all I'm getting now. And it is truly the most frightening freaking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I did the age filter and I literally look like I came out of the grave to haunt children on Halloween, okay? Like, I'm an old motherfucking scary-ass witch, and it is terrifying. And I've done it so many times with makeup on and different lighting and all, and I look the same every single time. Well, you know what's the scary part is all of those doctors who are, like, being like, I am a dermatologist, and this is actually a pretty accurate representation. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, my God, there's no way that's, like, real. Like, no, no, no. And then all these doctors are like, no, this is, like, pretty accurate. And people were put using it on, like, celebrities when they were young. And then... I know. I saw those too, Ray. Like, Trust me. I've seen all of them. Yeah, honestly. It was not something I needed to know. Like, I'm all about, like, let's embrace our age. Like, let's... Like, aging is awesome. Like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I just didn't need to see it right yet. You know what I mean? I don't know. Because I always thought like that too. And I have a friend who was like, fuck that. I am going to be, look like a crazy old lady with like so much like plastic surgery and stuff. I don't even care. I was like, really? Ew, I'm going to age gracefully. No, I'm not going to be like that. And then I saw this and I literally made a Botox appointment yeah, immediately. <laughs> I was like, this is not happening. But yeah, so that is something I have been obsessing for. But not a healthy way, honestly. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. I'm sure every injector in Los Angeles is... Actually, any any injector everywhere is literally booming from this filter. Like, keeping their business alive. It's it's, it's never been better. I just don't understand how some people look exactly the same. No, it's actually sickening. Like, the men especially look way better. I know. I'm like, cool. Um, Cool, cool, cool. Well, I've been obsessing over, which I don't know if I've even talked to you about this series. I think I have, but I know you're in your Kindle. Like, you you love your Kindle. You have to read Mm -hmm. A Court of Thorns and Roses. It's... Okay, you haven't talked to me about this, but is this what everyone's reading? Is this one about fairies? Yes. Okay. I'm actually late to the trend, I think. Like, I think a lot of people have read this, like, this was like a year ago kind of more in the in the hype but it is so good it's yeah it's about it's like it's obviously fiction fantasy but it is kind of like smut it is like sexy like it is sultry like you, like if I'm reading it in public I'm like oh my god I hope no one is reading over my shoulder because they'll think <laughs> I'm reading straight up porn but really yes okay but I'm on the book A Court of Silver Flames and this is about one of the sisters and I don't want to like ruin anything for anybody but basically she's like training and this book has given me more workout motivation than like I have ever had it it is crazy to me I'm like oh I gotta go to the gym because like I gotta train it's kind of like you know when you if you went to go see a movie like um Superwoman or something like that and you leave the theater and you're like oh yeah yeah but you're like so enthralled in this book I have been smashing the gym because I'm like so influenced by this character and this book. And I'm like, wow, if someone is like, where do I start? Where do I find the motivation for the gym? Read this book. I'm serious. Wait, okay. I I need some gym motivation. I'm going to do this. But can I start with that book or do you need to start? You need okay. to start with The Court of Thorns and Roses is the first one. And what is this one in the series? Four or five? Oh my gosh. So we got to get through four or five books and feel motivated for the gym? <laughs> kind of. Actually, the first, the second one is pretty physically motivating as well. But they're all just good because it's just like it's good. It is sexy. It's a really good book. I highly recommend series. I highly recommend you read it next. Okay. I really need to get back into my reading era because I stopped for a minute and I think I'm just like so tired that when I go to read it just at night and honestly, like I fall asleep immediately. Yeah. 
Maybe I need a vacation. Like, <laughs> you need a vacation where you <laughs> don't rest. No, I will read at night. I'll read maybe three pages and be asleep. But I've been very, this month has been amazing for me. I've been resting. And like the other Sunday, it was like a rainy Sunday here in New York. And I just like sat around my apartment, lit my candles and read for like hours. It was so nice. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That sounds yeah, like was, the nicest Sunday afternoon. It really was. So I suggest if you need a new read, let it be that. Well, do you have anything you're obs- else you're obsessing over? Or should we get into today's episode? I think we should get into today's episode. Okay, so today we are excited to sit down with my friend Kayla Epps. She is the voice behind the podcast, I Might Die Alone. If you're a single woman, I think you're going to see a lot of yourself in Kayla and how she is approaching romantic love in her life. In her podcast, she celebrates women who are defining their lives beyond their relationship status and dives deep into the dichotomy of wanting romantic love, but also not letting that absence consume us. When she said that, I was like, oh, that is so powerful. Um, we talked to Kayla about her journey of decentering romance in her life and what that has looked like for her. And we're so excited for you to hear this episode. Let's welcome Kayla. I'm having major FOMO right now because Kayla and Christine are together in LA and I'm calling in from New York and I miss you, Kayla. How are you? Oh, I miss you too. I am so well. The weather is back in LA because we're so long. I was like, did I move to Seattle? You're like, what am I doing here actually? (laughs) Did I bring this? Yeah. (laughs) I forget this is your first like summer in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was only here for a few weeks last summer, but this feels like my first summer where I'm actually settled, which is great. Oh my gosh. Well, amazing. We're so excited to have you. We're just going to jump right in because honestly, I could listen to you talk about this forever and ever and ever. And I know we've had like personal <laughs> conversations about this at Bell's Beach House over some cocktails. Yes. And and the shrimp, popcorn shrimp, too. Oh my God, the popcorn shrimp. And the yeah. <laughs> Everyone, small tangent, so good. Okay, so your whole podcast, which is called I Might Die Alone, talks about mm-hmm. decentering romance from your life, especially from your perspective as a single woman. So to get started, can we go back to the beginning and can you kind of paint a picture for us about what your desperation era was and really the beginning of this whole process? of why you started this podcast and how you're talking about this stuff now. Yeah, I'm happy to. So it's such a long-winded story. But like my desperation era like really happened in like my mid-20s where I was just like, something has got to give, you know? Mm -hmm. I was feeling so down on myself and I took it so personally that I wasn't in a romantic relationship. I was just like, okay, it can only mean two things, that I'm ugly and that my personality sucks or or both, you know? So like at that time, I was like, okay, it's obviously both. Like I, I can't do this anymore. So I took a step back and I said, okay, let's reflect, figure out what's going on. And then that's when therapy entered my life. And I finally got to do the inner work to say, like, who told you you were ugly? Who told you not being in a romantic relationship meant that you were ugly or that you were unworthy? Like, where did that narrative come from? And obviously these things build over your lifetime when you're in childhood, these things stick with you. But, you know, I worked with therapists to like unlearn these things and realize that a romantic relationship or the absence of a romantic relationship doesn't really mean anything um, about my worthiness as an individual. So then, you know, as as I grew older, I said, okay, still don't have a romantic relationship. I still think that I'm worthy and I'm open to finding love whenever it may happen. But I realized I didn't lack love. And I think for so long, I thought I lacked love because I wasn't in a romantic relationship. And that just wasn't the case. Like I was so filled with love, like my platonic friendships, my family, like I never felt like I was in lack. I just felt that I was, I couldn't be happy because I wasn't in a romantic relationship. So that's really where this concept came from is like really trying to reflect and understand that all relationships in your life can fill you up with love and you can be complete in the absence of having, you know, a romantic relationship. So that's where 
you know, the concept of the podcast came to be and it's conversations that I've had with my friends, with you, about what does it really mean to live a life on your own terms and not have it be defined by a romantic relationship. I love that so much because we talk about all this emphasis on romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. but where do you think that comes from? Because I agree with you, like learning to look at your relationships, like your family life, your siblings, Mm -hmm. your friendships as real love in Mm -hmm. your life is so important. And we kind of just overlook that all the time. So where do you think this emphasis on romantic relationships came from? It's society. It is everywhere we turn. It is in the books that we read. It's in the TV shows that we watch. It's in the movies that we watch. It's when women are constantly told that they have to be in pursuit of a romantic relationship, that you are not whole without a partner. And especially there's this heteronormative narrative. It's always a woman chasing a man. That's what we see. And it's these questions that we get from our peers around like, why are you single? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost like something has to be wrong with you. Like if you are, you're 31, you're not in a relationship. Obviously, that means you're a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that means you're going to end up being like this old cat lady. So it like it comes from all around and it's unfortunate, but I do think that conversations are starting to form, you know, like my podcast and other spaces where we're really starting to question like, that's just not the case anymore. Right. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I definitely don't think that. And maybe it's because I like grew up outside of New York City. Now I live in LA. Like I have friends that are going to be 40 years old that are single. And I'm like, good for you. Like I never thought of them as like an old cat lady or like their life isn't sufficient because of that. But now that you say that, like I'm going to call myself out because I do find myself in conversations with new people. It is a natural thing to ask someone, are you in a relationship? Yep. Shoot, mm-hmm. I've totally, I just did that yesterday. Damn, like it's so natural. <laughs> and, and and I think it's fine because like, you know, my philosophy is like we can decent a romance. It doesn't mean that I hate men, that I never want to be in a relationship. It just means that it doesn't rule my world. Like mm-hmm. that's not the only thing that's constantly on my mind. And it's like totally fine to ask, but it's like the follow-up questions about like, why are you single? If someone responds like, yeah, I'm single. And then like, why? Why? Like, you know, you're X, Y, Z and like something like what's going on. It's like, I think those undertones that kind of make it like, ooh, but it's totally fine. When you say like decentering romance, it's so, how do you, how did you go about doing that? Because it's so crazy as a single girl who a lot of my girlfriends are single as well. So many, Mm -hmm. it's just crazy how much of life and like daily thought is centered around that. Like, I'll be the first to admit it. Like, when we go out, we're like, oh my God, there's no cute guys here. Or there's no, do you know what I mean? Like, like, (laughs) there's so much where we're like, oh, we should go here because there might be the potential of meeting someone. Mm -hmm. And so much too, Mm -hmm. when you're single is like, make sure you're putting yourself out there. Like, be on dating apps, be out in the wild, go sit at a hotel lobby and work so you can be seen. And like, it's so, it just is so crazy Mm -hmm. how much it goes into every aspect of our life. So what did that look like for you beginning to decenter romance from your life? Yeah, I think the first step is actually like verbalizing it to my friends of saying like, this is what I'm doing. I think this is my belief system. You know, I would like if we could not always talk about the pursuit of romantic relationships and like, challenging ourselves. Like when I do go out with a group of single girlfriends, like what does it look like for us to just go out and have fun? Like literally just focus on us because at the end of the day, really men are dense and dumb. (laughs) So like I have the most fun with my girlfriends. So I'm just like, you know, like what does it look like for us to center ourselves and not to center men? And let's see how much fun we can have when we go out and let see what happens. And it's not Mm -hmm. to say that like we can't meet someone when we go out. It just means that we are going into the night saying, this night is for us. What happens, happens. It doesn't matter if there's no eligible bachelors in sight. Like what matters is that we're together, we're having a time and like we're deeply entrenched in these deep conversations that fill us up with joy. We're talking about things that are just abstracts and just really just learning more about each other, which I think fosters like really strong friendships. So that's kind of like what it looks like 
for me, and I think the big thing also is just like sharing that with your friends and family so they don't constantly ask you about your relationship status because I'm not going to lie, it's it's not easy. Like, because mm-hmm. it is something that I still want. And obviously it's on my mind. I just don't want to be constantly asked that um, from folks around me. And there's nothing more exhausting than going out and you're like having fun and you have that friend who's maybe like a little bit more boy crazy or more in that mindset she's like oh let's go somewhere else there's like no you guys here like it's like it's like okay we can't be like let's not like we don't chase we attract like let's just we're right now and then again I'm still making it about that but it's like just enjoy where you're at and enjoy your life and it's just so exhausting to be like always searching for that Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I love that and then you talked about so your desperation era and then you moved into like your miss independent era. I think that's what you called our ultra independent. What did that look like? Oof. I think (laughs) I'm somewhat still in that phase too, even as hard as I try not to, but it's just, it was really a defense mechanism. I'm going to be honest. It was Mm kind of me saying like, whatever, like I don't need anyone. Like I'm way too good for anyone anyway. Like I can do all of these things that I want by myself. And maybe I'm just that type of person that doesn't need anyone. And that really kind of spiraled and to not just romantic relationships, but saying like, I don't need anyone. And that's just not true. We Mm -hmm. all need people to to support us. It takes a village to raise kids. It takes a village to, you know, be in, or it takes a community, I think, to to live a happy and healthy life. So that wasn't a pretty time (laughs) in my life. It was really a lot of like not being willing to show my true and authentic self to people because I didn't want to have to face rejection at the end of the day. It was just like by putting up a wall, I was able to say, okay, if someone didn't want to be with me, it's because they actually didn't know me. So like, I don't really care because I didn't let them, I didn't open myself up. I was, in fact, emotionally unavailable myself, Mm -hmm. and I was chasing after emotionally unavailable men as well because I knew that they weren't (laughs) ready as well. So, like, in the back of my mind, like, hindsight is 2020. I didn't realize that was what I was doing at the time, but that is what that era of my life looked like. And don't recommend, but I think, you know, we all have our process and our journey to get where where we are to be, you know, the healthiest and happiest version of ourselves. Okay, so how do you find the balance between like the desperation error and like the misindependent error to like where you are now? Yeah, therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> therapy. It's really just therapy and then just trial and error, error and just recognizing that both can be true. Like you can be independent and still want somebody. You don't have to relinquish your independence in a romantic relationship, I thought so much of a romantic relationship or my view of it was really like submission and letting go of some of my independence. Like that is just like the vision I had built up in my head and that's just not true. And then that's kind of how I found my balance. And it's just really laying out what is it that I want in a romantic partner and then just making sure that you're always in search of that and whoever you're dating kind of meets some of those criteria. I relate so much to what you were saying about like the ultra independent because, and it is such a defense mechanism. I think like mm-hmm. I was in a relationship where I was so dependent and then I went the opposite way where I was like, no, I'm not gonna, like, I don't need anybody. I can do all of these things on my own. And like, even still for me, like asking fr- people for help is like a really hard thing for me to do. And that mm-hmm. is something I'm working on so much because you're exactly right. It is a defense mechanism because like, how can anyone hurt you if you don't ever let them in? Mm -hmm. So when you were saying that, I was like, wow, oh (laughs) me. I'm like, I can't even ask my friends for help sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, like I need to, I really need to work on that. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's, It's not an easy thing to do. So hard. And I think like there is so much messaging too for where like, uh, one thing, one narrative, like I'm trying to work through, and of course I'm speaking as 
like a cis woman dating a straight woman dating straight men mm-hmm. or dating men like it's with like the I hate men like I don't need men all of that but then it's like but I do want a partnership with a man mm-hmm. like how do you have you like worked through that or balancing any of those like two extreme kind of narratives that were kind of fed a lot yeah well I mean I'll be very candid and I think I've gotten to the point where I'm also questioning like is a man the only person that I can like build a life with and have partnership with? So it's just, and I think that came from me sitting with myself and saying like, what do I actually want in a partner? Mm -hmm. And if that comes in a different package, would I be open to it? And I think the question is, is yes, I haven't found that yet, but it is. And I think unfortunately it is, like being okay with the fact that you may not find it in the person that you always envisioned. And I think it's letting go of, yeah, I think it's pretty much that. It's like letting go of who you thought that you're supposed to end up with and really opening up yourself to different possibilities. And again, not saying like it has to be like questioning your sexuality or anything, but like even if you know steadfast, like, you're straight, looking for a man, but like thinking outside of the box of like what being open to different possibilities, I think is key. But I also think that's really important. Okay. Like beyond sexuality, like you have this idea of what your partner looks Mm -hmm. like. So like maybe it's just broadening that horizon and like being open to like all sorts of people and types and looks and everything like that. Exactly. And just like really getting comfortable with the fact that one looks fade. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like he can be a hottie right now, but like, does he provide you with emotional safety? And like, as I sat with it, I'm like, emotional safety is kind of more important to me than someone looking like Denzel Washington, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's just like getting real with yourself and saying like, what are the actual traits that I want in a long-term partnership that might outweigh again, the physical package that someone comes in. I think that's so important because like even as I'm dating, you know, you always think, yes, there has to be that initial attraction, but that openness part is so key. And I've had so many Mm -hmm. friends who have been dating men and or even married to men and are now in happily, like super happy relationships with women because they did just that. They were just open about what they wanted and who they wanted to build a life li- life with and what that looked like. And it might be different than what you've pictured your entire life. It's really focusing on those qualities that is going to make you happy in the long run. Exactly. Okay. But here's the thing, right? We're still talking about like finding a partner and this is where I'm like, but it shouldn't matter because the whole thing is like the confidence to know that like, even if you aren't with a partner, you're still okay on your own, right? Absolutely. And even if I never find someone, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Okay. So how do you get to that point? Because I feel like there's probably like a lot of single ladies like listening to our podcast and being like, okay, like I hear you, I hear you, but like, I still want someone. So like, how do I make sure that like, I am good on my own? Like, what are the steps that you take? Is it like getting involved in certain things? It's like fostering your friendships. Like, how do you get there to know that like, even if you never find a partner, Mm -hmm. that you're still good? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And I'm not going to lie and going to say like, it's so easy. And like, I don't have days where I'm just like, oh God, like I really do need to find someone like immediately. Mm -hmm. Like it is a constant roller coaster. So I do want to be very upfront and honest about that. But I think it goes back to what you said. Like, how do you say like, I'm okay alone? And I think you have to say, I'm not okay alone. And what does it look like to build community? Mm-hmm. Because I think so often when you think about single people, people are like, oh, they're alone. But I'm not alone. Right. <laughs> like I have such a strong community around me, friends, family who are not single, who have built families on their own and have kids. Like, And those kids are a part of my life. And that is bringing me so much love and joy. So mm-hmm. in fact, I'm not alone. So I think it's really going in and saying, okay, I don't have a romantic partnership, but can I find what I'm looking for in a romantic partner, minus the sex, um, in other forms of my life? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer so often is yes. What you're looking for is intimacy. 
And you can build intimacy with your platonic friends. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking for is emotional safety. I can find that in my friends. And, you know, if you happen to not have, you know, a close circle of friends, like working to build that, putting yourself in positions where you are going to places where people are more likely and more open to be willing to make those friends. So like, I'm not talking about like going to the club, but like, you (laughs) know, like going to like a meetup or like a pottery class, something that aligns with your interests where folks are more open-minded and also are looking for community. I think that's another great avenue is to constantly build your Mm -hmm. network and community to remind yourself that you are actually not alone. You're just single. You don't have a romantic partner you're not lonely or alone at all. Yeah, I think that's like a really important thing to like differentiate between mm-hmm. being single versus being alone. Yes. Yep. And I think so often we use those as synonyms, but they're not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked so much about female friendship. And I also love the idea of romantic friendship. Um, one of our friends yeah. posted about it. Nicolette Mason posted about it like a few years ago. And ever since I saw her talk about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I love that so much. Like, Having really intimate romantic friendship is so important. I think like a community of women has brought so much fulfillment to my life in the last like three years that I've been single. Like I I always say, I'm like, I would not be able to survive without my girlfriends. I would be like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what what I would do. I would be in not a good place compared to where I am now. But that's like, I think such a good first step for people if they're feeling like maybe discouraged about finding romantic love and finding that partner, like maybe shift that energy into friendship for a while and see how that maybe changes and like relieve some of that pressure. Yep. I can't agree more. I think we need to talk about what helped you get to your breaking point a little bit. And that is going on The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. As someone who was like a long-term, long-time fan of the show and watched like more seasons than I'd like to admit. Yeah. <laughs> I w- would love to know, one, how that experience was for you putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable environment for everyone to see mm-hmm. and like how it kind of took you from this place of like, I guess, maybe desperation mm-hmm. to where you are now. Yeah. That is a good question. It is a deep one that I'm happy to go into. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was just like, I think when you're put in a position like where all you can think about (laughs) is a a romantic relationship, it really starts to break you. I mean, that's all you're talking about Mm 24-7, even when you're not with The Bachelor, you're with your girlfriends, like you're forced to talk about this man and this desire to like be in this this relationship and this happily ever after. And the breaking point happened when I was just like sitting in those rooms, sobbing over a man that I did not know, like sobbing as if this was the love of my life. And I did not even know that man. Mm -hmm. And I think in the back of my head, I was like, bitch, this is in saying like why are you so emotional over someone that you don't know that Mm -hmm. doesn't even like you back like what is it and I think it was just like again this desperation of wanting just to say that I did it that I finally got a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. that I finally got the happy ending and it was I was obsessed over it obsessed and it wasn't until obviously after you know, I was eliminated that I was able to go back home and reflect. I'm like, that is the saddest thing ever, Kayla. <laughs> Do you Why? have regrets going on? Or are you, or are you glad? That no, you I, no, I'm so glad. I, I learned so much about myself. Mm-hmm. I gained so much confidence. It's, I don't know if it's vain or, you know, but it's just like, now no one can tell me shit. Like I saw myself on national television (laughs) and like people, you know, I put myself out there for the world for criticism and like I made it out on the other end. So it's just like to see yourself reflected on a TV and to see yourself the way other people see you Mm -hmm. when so often that was like such a, a thought of mine. I was like, gosh, how do people see me? Like do people think I'm ugly? Do people think I'm funny? You know, mm-hmm. all these things, like I really lack self-confidence. 
But then you see yourself up there on a screen that, you know, everyone else is seeing. And then you are able to give yourself the validation. I think it's so, no one gets to see that perspective Mm -hmm. a lot of like, you get to see yourself, how other people see you. So it was just very, I think, comforting for me to say like, this is who I am on display. And I love it. Like, despite what anyone else has to say about me. So I don't regret it for that fact. And the second fact is, (laughs) despite it being a show centered around heterosexual romantic relationships, the best thing that came out of that show were were female friendships. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone says that was on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. And like it is, that is the best thing about the show. And it's just so funny because the show is touted because of romantic relationships, but whatever, that's, it's the friendships. You know, what I think it's really interesting is that you said you were there crying over someone that you didn't even know. And yep. obviously like your whole situation was magnified mm-hmm. so much because you were on television. But I honestly think that is almost every single woman after like a first or second date when they Mm -hmm. really like someone. And at that point, like, I'm sorry, I don't care like how cool, how chill you are. When you go on a date and you really like someone, you are envisioning your life with them. You are starting to put the plans together. You're you're picturing you guys like travel around Europe together. Mm -hmm. You're seeing your wedding in the future. Like that happens. And I think to so many, so many women. And it's so true. It's like you're you're so emotional about someone that you don't even know. Yeah. And I feel like whether you're on TV mm-hmm. or whether you're like newly dating, you really need to like take a step back and think like, do I even know this person? Right. Do I even like this person or am I just in love with this idea of what could be? Exactly. And this idea of being chosen. I think for right. me, I was just like, oh yeah, like if I can get this person to settle down with me. They chose me. Like Mm -hmm. I am worthy of being chosen by a man. I think that is also a feeling that, you know, I think we tend to chase and like that validation again, that external validation, especially for men, I think is just something that we're taught kind of that we're supposed to want is this validation if if you're, you know, heterosexual. So I, I agree. I was going to say, you may have been a confessional crying over a guy that you didn't know. I have done that before, and I wasn't even on a reality TV show. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, literally, I wish you knew me when I was obsessed with this one guy. I was literally obsessed with him. And I'm like, I don't even know his middle name. <laughs> like, it's, it's <laughs> It was sick. Um, okay, but anyway, moving on. So this now, like, we went from the desperation era to the high bar independent And now you're Mm -hmm. in what you're calling your gray era. Can you Mm -hmm. give us a definition of what this gray era is? Yeah. So it it goes back to like kind of both things can be true. I can want to decent a romance, like believe that wholeheartedly, but still leave space for a romantic relationship to enter my life because it is at the end of the day, okay to want that. Mm -hmm. What I'm challenging is the idea of obsessing over it and saying that it is the most important relationship for you to find in this lifetime. I I just disagree with it. I think it's beautiful, but I think so many other relationships are beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. And there should be no hierarchy. So that's really what the gray era is about. And it has allowed me to feel so at peace with where I'm at in my life that I'm so thankful for because I, again, like all my other eras, I was just down bad, (laughs) whether I was just like anti-men or like so into men. It was just like, it was all I could ever think about. And I'm tired of that because I, when I reflect back and see everything that I've been able to accomplish with a really strong community behind me, I realized that I'm not lacking anything. It would be a great value add, a great addition, but I am whole and worthy on my own and I get to define how I want to build my life. So that's really what the the gray era means to me. And it's my favorite era thus far. And you might've answered this, but what would you say has been like the biggest shift or biggest change in your life since you've kind of adopted this idea of decentering romance? That's a good one. I think I've been able to build incredible friendships with women, like sliding into your DMs. I've slid into other people's DMs and just like really build 
this community in a new city that I, I moved to, which I don't think I would have had the courage to do beforehand. And I don't think I would have prioritized doing that beforehand. What I would have prioritized was being on Hinge, Bumble, still trying to get on Raya, like trying to match <laughs> with all these men and like go out on as many dates as I could. And that would have just been something that I hyper-focused on. But because I've embraced this new mindset shift, I've been able to build, you know, friendships with incredible women that I were not in my life beforehand, which is incredible. And then I've able to build things that I'm really proud of, like this podcast. Like if it was not for me shifting my mindset, I would have never had the courage to put myself out here and do my podcast like I am. And that is so beautiful to me and connect with women who are also trying to decenter romance from their life. So that's those are the best things about this. You've talked a lot about these relationships you know, like you have family, mm -hmm. you have all your friends, your friends have kids. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of continue to be in all those people's lives while you find maybe they're going through different stages that mm. you're not? Yeah. For me, it's easy. Mm -hmm. And I know it, it cannot be easy for everyone, but I think it's also because my friends also value and respect where I'm at in my life. Mm -hmm. I think so often, like when you get into a group of friends who they have kids, they're in different life stages, they tend to look at their single friend as like, oh, like she's just living her wild life. She has so mm -hmm. much time. She, What could she possibly be doing? <laughs> like she's single. But I think when you have a community who understands that, yes, we may be in different uh, life stages, we still have our own things going on. For sure. So it is them making space for me to hang out with them like as a union. And like, what does that look like? Because I am the one who's married with the kids, yeah. right? And I love my single friends. I yeah. feel like I have more single friends than not. And for me, like that is so important is like continuing to have people in my life. Like I love my family, mm -hmm. but like I need more than my family mm -hmm. for me. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So like, what would that look like for you? Is it like inviting you to come over for dinner with the kids or like, how does that? Manifest. Yeah, it is inviting me over dinner with the kids, but then it's also us just going to dinner together. Yeah. Or maybe you put the kids down and then like we hang out, you know, in, yeah. in the living room for yeah. like a few hours. It's you checking in on me and saying like, hey, like I knew you were working on XYZ. How is that going? It's yeah. me checking in on you and saying, I know XYZ was having a recital. How did that go? Yeah. You know, it's just like this constant respect of, Yes, we may not be in the same life stages. I may not understand everything that's going on in your life. You may not understand everything that's going on in my life, but you're important to me. Yeah. I think that's so important because, I mean, for me, that, that's something I've made such a conscious effort of, um, mostly like from a selfish point of view, honestly, because I just like need friends mm -hmm. and I, I love having friendships in my life. But it's really interesting to hear a perspective as like a single person who still is trying to be in their friends' lives mm -hmm. as they go through different stages. Yep, exactly. And it's so important. And I think it's great that you still like want and want to nurture your friendships because mm -hmm. sometimes people don't have the space to do that or don't want to do that. So I, I love that you are making space for everyone in your life. You're very good at that. I think it like where it gets tricky is when maybe, and I think that's like where some like, friendships struggle with those different phases is when it's like one person feels like they're the one constantly having to reach out or like make that space. Mm -hmm. But I will say Christina is very good at always like being there. I mean, she was like at my birthday in San Diego, like I think right out, like Nicholas was like really like fresh out of the fresh in the world. Like, <laughs> like, he was under a year. Yeah. He was under a year. Like you do that stuff. And so I think that's important just from exactly what you said, Kayla, both sides, making sure mm -hmm. that during these different seasons, which if you haven't read Big Friendship, you should read Big Friendship to make sure you, the other person knows that, hey, you're important to me and I want to, I want to maintain this relationship. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like I just need to add as someone who's in a relationship, like, being in a relationship isn't like the end all be all. Like you don't enter a relationship and all of a sudden like there's like a golden arch over mm -hmm. you and like everything is shining down mm -hmm. and everything's happy all the time. Like relationships require so much freaking work. Mm -hmm. And like I'm 
talk to anyone who's ever been in a long-term relation, long-term happy relationship. There have been times where they have been struggling. There have been times where there's been like sadness, sadness, anger, hardships, and they've overcome that. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's something that people constantly need to remember because I think it's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to get into a relationship. Mm -hmm. I want this so badly. And then you're in it. And like maybe like 75%, 55% of the time, it's great. Mm -hmm. There's still so much work that needs to be put in. And I don't think that it's like an end-all be-all of happiness. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to put that work in. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. Maybe you don't need to be in a long-term relationship. Maybe relationships look different for you. So I feel like we need to like stop with this like linear definition of like what is a happy partnership because Mm -hmm. that's different for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And I love that you bring up like, long-term because I think that there's a whole, you know, conversation about like, yeah, maybe long-term relationships aren't for me. Maybe monogamy is not for me. Like, and that is okay. It's like really taking your power back and saying like, we only have one life to live and you owe it to yourself to define relationships and happiness however you want to, despite what society may tote as like the end all be all. Yeah. And you owe it to yourself and to everyone else around you not to judge anyone else's relationship or their scenario, because like maybe you're in a happy monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. That's great. Maybe your friend never wants that. Mm -hmm. That's fine too. Like we're all on our own different paths and life looks different for every single person. And that's what makes every individual so unique and wonderful. And what makes this life interesting. Mm -hmm. Imagine we're all doing the same thing. Like that's so freaking boring. No, no. We don't need that. We don't. Oh, well, this was so good. <laughs> Kayla, can you please plug yourself, plug the podcast? If people want to hear more, where can they find you? Yes, they can find I Might Die Alone on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find our TikTok on IMDA Podcast. And we're also IMDA Podcast on Instagram. So you can connect with me there and all of my incredible guests. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.